Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Please stay standing for the gospel, which is in Mark 10, chapter, and in the verses are 17 through 31, if you're following. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters, mother, father, or children, or feels for me. And the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. And with them, persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last in the last first. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Working at summer camp uh, growing up, we had a speaker one summer. I forget the guy's name, honestly, but he did this thing where it became this running joke with the counselors. He would take on this high, falsified, falsetto voice whenever he came across a scripture, and he would say, that should really freak you out. And if you were paying attention to what Barbara just read, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. That should really freak you out. And here's why. It freaked me out as a kid. At some point, you realize that what you have is inadequate when you compare yourself to other people growing up. It was painfully apparent 
when the Air Max 95s came out. Now, for those of you who don't know what the Air Max 95s, they were a Nike tennis shoe that was probably going to make you run faster, do all that stuff that tennis shoes do. But they were like day glow green before it was cool to be day glow green. I know that's a really big thing now, but these were like gray and day glow green. They had like nine air pockets around the sides of the shoe, and I wanted those shoes, but we couldn't get them. I had a knockoff, I think, from Walmart or Target, but they weren't the Nike Air Max 95s. And that's when I realized what I had was inadequate. But then I realized that what I had was adequate because I recognized those who had shoes that didn't look like they were new at all. And when missionaries would come to our church and talk about the poverty that they would see in the countries they were serving, you can't really sit and complain about lima beans and Brussels sprouts when you hear about starving people who don't even have the access to clean water. See, the trick isn't about wealth. It's about comparison. How often we want to play the victim how often we want to say that what we have is not enough, but then oftentimes we have to face the reality that what we have been given is more than enough. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is harder for a camel to go through the, excuse me, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So what do we do with all this wealth that we have? Does it mean that we're going to go to hell? As a kid, I didn't want to go there. And so I put up with the knockoff shoes and realized that it was better than going to school barefoot. But later, as I got older, as I got wiser, I learned that you didn't have to read this passage literally. It turns out there's a pseudo-historical approach where the eye of the needle is really this small door in a larger gate in Jerusalem where camels would have to unpack before entering, and the camels would have to get down and kneel, and it took a lot of training. And I call it a pseudo-historical approach to this passage because it's not really true. There was no gate where the camel had to get down. It was uh, created by fiction in the 19th century to make rich people feel better about themselves. It's a popular interpretation, but it's not exactly accurate. But I, I grew up and I learned that there's another way to approach this scripture. It really means that you have to unburden yourself with whatever is keeping you from fully relying upon God. If you could just get over whatever it is that's holding you back, whatever uh, you might need to leave your nets behind, as Jesus calls his disciples, if you can just focus on the spiritual things, then maybe you have a chance in the kingdom of God. Uh, and then I went to seminary and learned there's another way to read uh, this passage where you realize that maybe just Jesus didn't mean what he said at all. Maybe this wasn't about wealth, but instead about our inability to earn salvation and to realize that we were dependent upon God's mercy alone. Maybe that's, maybe that's where we 
find ourselves this morning. And maybe that's the most enticing to me because as long as I'm able to focus on getting over my sin and relying upon God's grace, then I don't ever have to confront the issue of wealth and money. But every now and then, I wonder if the more accurate interpretation is the one that I first approached the Scripture with as a kid. Maybe God really does care about what we do with our resources, with our wealth. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jesus called each of us to sell what we have and care for the poor. Not because it merits us salvation, not because it automatically punches our ticket to the afterlife, but the theology that we learn, however misplaced it might be over the years, is still there. And we have to reconcile with the notion that we earn salvation through God's mercy alone. I mean, good Lord, there's not much any of us can do to inherit anything except wait for the one who owns what we want to die. I had a conversation with my dad when he came up Wednesday night when he said, now if things go well and the market recovers, you're stand to receive X amount of money. I said, dad, that's a, a good portion. How? He says, well, don't count on it. I have to die first. <laughs> and when it comes to eternal salvation... Someone has to die first for us to earn it. There's nothing we can do, nothing we can earn to secure our place in heaven except for God's grace alone. For humans, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And this isn't a scene of an altar call where you're going to ask to come down and confess and lay before everything, but you're going to be invited to the altar. But maybe this is a healing story a healing story, because everyone who comes to Jesus in Mark's gospel kneels before Christ and asks for a blessing, or asks for a cure, or asks to be relieved from demon possession, and every time Jesus orders someone to go, like this rich young ruler, and be healed. So this man comes before Jesus and kneels because he's sick. He's heart sick, and he knows it. So he kneels before Christ to seek out a question about heaven. Teacher, what must I do to pass the final exam? Because on the outside, he's got it all together. He's faithful, he's pious, But inside, he knows he's still missing something, something important, something that matters, something that's a matter of life and death. And Jesus really does love him. Maybe Jesus sees past all that this guy has, his knowledge of the law, his perfect piety, his abundant wealth, and he realizes that the sickness and disease of this man's heart is himself his love of God, and his love of neighbor. Maybe Jesus is asking him to divest so that he can really live by faith in solidarity with his neighbor for the first time. It's a very direct prescriptive for a very important ask. 
And if this reading is true, then it's not much of a stretch over the other readings. And if this reading is true, that it's a matter of the heart, then Jesus is doing the same thing and asking the same thing of us even now. And maybe Jesus is looking at us and saying, I love you. And when he does, he's asking us to give something up or give something over or give something away and go where Christ leads us. But what if God doesn't end there? What if it begins there? What if the beginning of our ministry begins where God is not only concerned about our eternal destiny, but also cares about what happens in the next hour, in the next days, in the next weeks, as we share with one another in God's creation? We come to this story only knowing that someone runs up to Jesus and kneels before him, but we don't know anything else about him other than that he's a guy. And because he kneels, we understand that he respects Jesus, but he knows that he has to ask Jesus a question. And he prefaces it like anyone would. Good teacher, a sincere approach. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus wants to know the answer as much as we do. But instead of going straight to the heart of the matter, Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And if we hold that thought for only a moment before Jesus gives his prescriptive orders, we realize that God, through Christ, would rather have us focus on God's goodness first and our relationship to God second. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He identifies God's goodness, and we identify God's goodness in our lives by calling God good because ultimately we have to face that sometimes we are not. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I have kept all these laws, all these rules since my youth. Now, there's a great story of a preacher walking up on a circle of boys out behind an alley, and they're yelling and shouting and laughing surrounding this little, scared, frightened dog, and he comes up to save the dog and asks the boys what they're doing. And they said, well, preacher, we're seeing who can tell the biggest lie, and whoever tells the biggest lie gets the dog. Preacher says, boys, that's terrible. I've never told a lie in my entire life. Preacher, you get the dog. <laughs> I've kept the laws all my life. Every commandment, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and loves him whether he's telling the truth or whether he's telling a lie, whether he's making a pious example of himself or promoting himself before others, Jesus looks at him and loves him. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. Sell what you have and give it to the poor in order to obtain treasure in heaven. What will he do? Scripture says he becomes dismayed and went away. 
which is the opposite of following. It's the opposite of following Christ. He went away grieving. And Jesus has issued a hard command for him, and Jesus offers a hard command for us. And we never know why. We're only told because he had many possessions. What if we'd been told at the beginning of the story that this man had many possessions? Would that influence our reading? Would that influence our hearing? Jesus emphasizes that it's difficult for those with wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples understand that if they're to follow and proclaim Christ, then the disciples ask what I want to ask Jesus. Well, then, Jesus Christ, who can be saved? And it's a question that we have to ask ourselves because the well-behaved, socially responsible, apparently blessed, rich man demonstrates how possessions can interfere with following Christ. So how do we earn salvation if that's the goal? We have to realize it can't be done by what we say, what we do, but instead by how we live. And by receiving God's commandment in the same way that we receive Christ's gaze when he looks at each one of us, and loves us. Something still has to change before the impossibility of man can become possible with God. What can anyone do? What can I do to inherit eternal life? Leaving everything and following Jesus brings you into a new family. It brings you into a new fellowship. It brings you into a new community that's full of possibility, but full of persecutions. And it's a future reality characterized by the fullness of life when you or I will no longer have any cultural relevance because the kingdom of God never ends. It existed before Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, which will celebrate its 170th anniversary next Sunday. The kingdom of God will live long after this rich young man asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The kingdom of God will continue once the candy of Halloween is gone and the bustle of Christmas arrives. The kingdom of God will continue with us or without us, through us and throughout us in time and place. So, good teacher, what must we do to inherit eternal life? And I wonder if the question for us is to answer, what is that one thing that is missing? What is that one thing that we are unable to give over to God? I ask myself tongue-in-cheek, but often seriously, what if it was college sports What if it was my allegiance to a certain team? What if it was my allegiance to a certain ideology or a certain idea or a certain person or a certain place? What is that one thing that hinders me from getting to God? And it's a question that we have to ask ourselves. What is that one thing that holds us back? And maybe we come to find out that the one thing holding us back isn't something that we have to give up. It's not a possession that we have to turn over or give away, but it's our hearts, it's our lives, it's our all. 
When we come to this altar, when we come to this place, it is a symbol, a sign act of us giving up to God, giving God our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness so that we can make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. It is seeing the image of Christ in one another even when it's hard to do. It's an invitation that we share, that what is impossible with us is possible with God. That's what we must do to inherit eternal life, is to acknowledge that through God, through Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible, even turning dust into a beautiful thing. In just a moment, you'll be invited to come to the altar to lay your commitment card here and to pray as you give over to God the things that belonged to God first, but also to pray and kneel about ways that you can be in service to pray for this church, for the children's ministry, for the youth ministry, for Bible studies, for kids' praise, for the music ministry, for our outreach and homeless ministries. There is a place for us at this altar because Christ has made a way. So what happens next? God has said, go, come, follow me. As you hear God's invitation, know that it is an invitation not based upon what we do, but based upon what God does for us, to be invited into a relationship of loving, of caring, of serving because of God's grace and because of God's care in our lives. So as you go out into this world, go with this blessing. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our arms. May the love of God, the peace of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.